the magnificent thing about travel is that it's not just the best teacher or the best school for life. It is the actual practice of embodiment and growth. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Aligned Performance Podcast, the podcast that helps you to express your best in this world to create your most aligned life of purpose and potential. Through authentic and uplifting solo episodes, as well as diverse guest conversations, we explore how you can connect to your heart's purpose, express yourself authentically, develop deep-rooted confidence, achieve high-performance execution, pivot careers, and build your dream business of impact, all so that you can create your dream life of freedom and fulfillment and serve your impact onto this world. My name is Trang, your host for the show, and today we've got another fun episode talking about or having the second catch-up episode about my time living and traveling abroad. This is the second one because the first one I did one month in to my time abroad, and that was one of the most popular episodes in recent times. Uh, I got a lot of wonderful feedback from it, as well as the number of listens on that episode was higher than um, the others. And it's funny, that's always the case. Like I'll put all of my time and energy into creating this scientific educational piece of content and it'll like flop but then I'll, I'll share something personal and then everyone will get around it which I previously used to think oh you know are people just nosy like you know does it have to be like this but then now what I've realized is this is actually a really beautiful phenomenon you know information by itself there's plenty of that on the, on the internet you know we're, we're sick of it but information and learnings in the context of someone's stories, experiences in their life. Like that is what makes information stick. And that's what makes someone feel like they're not alone, like they're normal. It it gives them permission to be feeling the things that they are feeling. And I can see the value in how sharing my own stories can really help you resonate and help you have learnings that are contextual, that actually mean something. So today's episode, I'm going to have a catch-up episode, round two. We're going to catch up again, and I want to share with you some of my stories and my learnings from the last three and a half months of living and traveling abroad. So the last three and a half months has been a dream. It really has. I want to say that it's the best decision and thing that I've ever done in my life, but that's going to downplay the many other incredible chapters of my life that I have gotten to experience. So what it is, is that for this chapter of my life, this is exactly what I have been craving and what I have needed. Uh, It is so right for where I am at in my journey. And and at a high level to share with you what the last three and a half months has looked like, I have been mostly based in Bali and then also been doing some trips uh, around Indonesia as well. Um, I've stayed in Indonesia because initially I thought that I wanted to go to many different countries and be able to list off all the different countries I go to by the time I uh, return back home. But then I realized like I don't want to do things just to be able to say I've done it. 
I want to immerse myself in this culture. I want to also, and I'll share more about this in a moment, I want to also honor my need for stability and routine as well. Um, And I noticed that after being on the move so frequently for the first two and a half months. It's funny, I was wondering why I was feeling so sick of living out of a suitcase and a little bit homesick overall. And then when I did the calculations, it turned out that over the first two and a half months, I had moved 19 times, which made for an average stay of just three and a half days per place. Three and a half days for the first two and a half months. Like, no wonder I was so sick of living out of a suitcase. So, yeah, I've mostly been based in Bali, and then I've also uh, done some travels around to neighboring islands. I went to Nusa Penida, as well as a road trip around east of Java. So I've loved this, this experience. Like, Bali itself is an adventure playground for adults. Like, the nature and the landscapes access to forests and beaches and volcanoes and just mind-blowing coral reefs. There's so many things to do, of course, being a tourist destination. The culture here, um, the community, uh, the locals are so joyous and happy. They're just so easygoing. And the foreigners uh, are a lot of digital nomads and entrepreneurs, free spirits, creative thinkers from all over the world Uh, and that's why they're generally all attracted to come here to Bali so meeting so many different foreigners expanding my horizons of my understanding of cultures and different ways of thinking for living and doing dating as well Uh, I will share more about this uh, in a moment dating isn't really uh, specific to travel but dating on such an international island has been very expansive. Um, And I've gotten to really lean into my values and my love for adventure and freedom and independence. So something that I really want to acknowledge is (laughs) I, I understand that what I'm doing now is something that most people dream of. You know, I used to dream of this. Even just a year ago when I was here, I would meet up with friends who were living here and I would think, oh, I would love to do this. Uh, I would love to live abroad, especially in Bali. I've been here, I think, four times. I, I love it here. So I want to acknowledge, like, my privilege to be able to do this and acknowledge how grateful I am for this. And that's something that I've got to continue to remind myself to really feel like the magnitude of um, just how grateful and how lucky I really am. And at the same time, I want to give myself acknowledgement that I have created this as well. Uh, Luck does exist, but when your whole life is constantly lucky, then yeah, you've got to give yourself acknowledgement for creating some of that luck too. Now, let me share with you one of the overarching realizations I've had while I've been here. Uh, Like I've said before, this is my first time living and traveling abroad solo for such an extended period of time. Uh, And (laughs) I've, I've never gone so long without seeing my parents. And trust me, they remind me of that every single time I chat to them on FaceTime, telling me to get my ass back home so they can see me again. <laughs> so one of the big things that I've realized, something that I've heard other people say before, 
but I never truly understood till now is that travel is an incredible teacher. It is the best school of life. But here's the additional layer that I've realized. It's not just the best teacher or the best school for life. Travel is the actual practice of embodiment and growth. It's kind of like you can read about how to swim in a book. Like the book can tell you to kick your legs and to lift your arm out of the water. But until you get into the pool, you let go of the wall and you practice the kicking and you practice the arm swings, only then will you have officially grown as a person. Because, yeah, you can grow mentally, but if you want to create your reality and uh, have tangible changes in your life, then you've got to do the thing as well. And that's the thing about travel. Yes, there are mental and intellectual learnings through travel, but so much of it is being forced into the deep end and having to walk the walk, having to embody and to grow in live time. So for example, uh, for the two week road trip around east of Java, I was doing a lot of the driving. Now, as if driving in a foreign country where red lights are optional, I once stopped at a red light and got angrily honked by the truck behind me. So after that, I was like, okay, red lights are optional. I'm just going to go when the light turns red because apparently that's what you do. Um, And, you know, having no road rules or very little road rules, scooters are coming at you left, right and center as if that's not scary enough, right? But being on a road trip uh, in rural land where you kind of are a little bit slow and procrastinating during the day, so you leave late in the day to get to your next destination and then half of your drive is after dark. This is where it gets a little bit sketchy, especially when you're on the highway and then suddenly Google Maps takes you off the highway onto a smaller road and then you're like, okay, all right, I'll just go with it. This is what Google Maps is telling me to do. But then that smaller road becomes an even smaller road and then it becomes non-paved, it becomes gravel and then it starts winding through forest without any lights, this is after dark, going through an abandoned village, which is extremely eerie because the, you know, the windows are smashed and the doors are open and just, it's just completely empty and desolate and quiet. Anyway, if that's not scary enough, we're in a little Toyota Agya, by the way, tiny little two-wheel drive that can barely go over gravel because we didn't expect to be doing any off-roading. Um, we at this point are pretty over it. We wanna just get to our next destination. Now we turn a bend and we look ahead and we just stop the car and sit in silence, almost in tears. Because ahead of us, what we are facing is a steep riverbank. Going down into a river with gushing water where there is a waterfall. Like the river turns into this waterfall. There's a cliff. There's an edge where the water is falling off the edge. And then on the other side is a steeper riverbank going up again. Now, my friend and I, Elise, who uh, we're doing this road trip together, I'm in the driver's seat. We don't know how steep. Uh, how deep the river is. We can't see. We're in this tiny little car. We're exhausted. We just want to get to our next destination. And this right here was a live life lesson. 
It's not a textbook where you read what it is that you should do. There, there is no manual. It is in lifetime having to embody calmness, logical thinking, whilst also navigating a high stress situation. And the thing is, you know, this sounds extremely uncomfortable and it was, it was not pleasant. I, I don't really don't think I've felt so much adrenaline and fear for my life in a long time. It was very uncomfortable. But at the same time, it was such an opportunity to embody the version of myself that I want to be more of. Like right now, we just don't have a choice. We have to step up. We have to stay calm and we did. Uh, like I wanted to cry and I wanted to panic, but because we were here, like what else were we gonna do? So I had to take a deep breath, talk about it with Elise about what we were gonna do and then execute. And long story short, we decided to go ahead because we were already like two and a half hours from our previous destination. It was so dark. We checked the depth of the river. It was shallow enough for us to cross. So we gave it a go. And it took us three attempts to get back up the riverbank on the other side. On the third attempt, we almost were going to give up. We were going to like just sleep in the car in the river <laughs> and just hope for the best. But luckily um, had someone who was driving by on their scooter and they helped us to get up the other side. So the, the point of this story is that in this moment, it's harsh because we're in that living moment. But also that circumstance gives us the opportunity to rise up there and then. And as soon as we rise up in that moment, as soon as we decide to show up in the direction that we want to grow into, as soon as we put the vote for who we want to be, then in that moment, we have transformed. In that moment, we have grown. In that moment, we haven't just been reading about how to swim in a book. We have let go of the wall in the pool and we have swam a lap. Now, another time that I got to practice live time embodiment is at that two and a half month mark of the trip where I was starting to feel really homesick. So at this point, I had been moving on average every three and a half days. I was sick of living out of a suitcase and I was starting to crave stability, crave the familiarity of home. And I was becoming a little bit negative about being abroad, which is interesting because it is the dream and so many people would love to be doing this, but here I was completely negative about this whole experience. And this was a moment that I got to practice observing and handling my emotions because it could have been very easy to fall into being lost and identifying with these emotions and then reacting to them. I could have been like, okay, I'm done. Like, I'm just going to buy my return ticket home tomorrow and I'm, I'm out of here. But at the same time, I realized I didn't want to do that. I knew I had a choice. I could just go home tomorrow if I really wanted to, but I didn't want to go home. So the paradox was I didn't like the current situation I was in now, but I also didn't want the alternative situation which by the way is such a common cause of unhappiness because you know every scenario no matter where we look there's going to be flip sides 
even the dream reality of living abroad, traveling abroad, has components to it that aren't as pleasant and are going to challenge us and stretch us. That is the point of experiencing life. It is this experience that is a full package and there are many different parts of it that we must simply learn to navigate. So I got to practice observing my emotions and being proactive rather than reactive. Being proactive to stay true to my values, to my principles, to my bigger picture uh, goals and direction, rather than falling into the trap of reacting to these fleeting emotions that are just so transient. Because the thing was, three days later, After feeling so homesick, I got over it and I just started loving everything again because I simply had to work through the the grieving of familiarity and stability and uh, and to adapt a little bit more, to expand my boundaries of what I can tolerate and what I can handle. So this was a great opportunity to actually learn to become an ally with my emotions rather than resist them and fight them. And that can only be practiced in real life. Like how many times do we get taught things about emotions? How many times do we read about emotions, like to handle them in a certain way or that they are healthy for you and it's okay to have different types of emotions that you can't label them as good or bad or right or wrong. But until you're in the heightened state of going through an emotional event, only then do you have the opportunity to rise up and to become a more embodied and a more, uh, a more experienced version of yourself. So I really got to experience that there and then. Here's another one. When I came back from my road trip in Java, you know, two weeks of waking up every day and being like, you know, what do you want to do today? Uh, let's climb a volcano. Let's hike some waterfalls. And by the way, some of the sites, oh, like you should see the photos on my Instagram if you haven't seen them already. Just so mind-blowing how miraculous this planet truly is. Like the fact that we even exist and can witness this perfect world and universe, oh my gosh, just, yeah, completely awe-inspiring. Makes me very emotional. I was teary and bawling my eyes out watching some of these sunrises. Um, So going on this two-week road trip where the laptop was closed, I was adventuring, I was having a lot of fun and having this two-week road trip on the back of two and a half months of generally already working at a lower intensity and volume than I usually would. And that's just expected because when you're living and traveling abroad, there's so much more planning and moving around, you know, unpacking, packing, uh, sightseeing, adventuring. There's a lot more to digest because so much is new, so much is changing. So mentally, there is so much to digest. Physically, there's just like time is diluted between different things so there just isn't as much of a capacity to be working at the same in the same way that I usually would so by the end of this three-month period where I've been working less than I usually have I've been able to honor all the different other values of mine like experiences and travel and sightseeing and adventuring 
I started to feel a level of like purposeless and unfulfillment and almost a feeling of being lost that I haven't felt in a long time. Because as much as I love doing all those things, uh, there's still a big part of me that craves growth, that craves anchoring myself to serving my mission, serving my purpose and growing in that dimension. So I started to recognize that this was a growing feeling. And I was like, all right, I'm going to lean into this. So when I came back, I lent into my work heavy. Uh, I'm recording this three weeks after coming back from the road trip. And for the last three weeks, I have been doing six to seven days, uh, 10 to 12 hour days. And it's not like I've been forcing myself to do it. It's just come so easily. Like I'll just look up from my laptop and it's nighttime and I have to force myself to stop working because it's like 8.30 p.m. And then when I go to bed, I'm excited to wake up the next day to start working again. And there's just so much free energy. It's this intense like wave of focus and hunger and drive that naturally wouldn't be there if I was doing that all day, every day for like months and months and months. It's there because there was three months where I could experience other parts of me and express other parts of me. And then because of that, I div- like it, my hunger for my work accumulates and then the floodgates open and then I can pour all of my creativity and inspiration and innovation into my work again. And the learning of, that I want to share here is the embodiment of polarity because nature is polarity. I mean, think about it. Because there is darkness, there is light. Because there is sound, there is silence. Because there is up, there is down. That is how nature works. Nature works in seasons. Nature swings from one to another. And we are nature. And that's how I believe we often work best. And I know that there is always a variety between how people uh, work optimally. But I believe for a lot of us, having polarity in how we work is the best way to do it. Because think about it, when you have an amazing weekend off and you are feeling rested and rejuvenated, then how much more energized are you to go into work on Monday? And then when you have a productive day at work, like how good do you feel to be able to close your laptop and completely switch off, put your feet up at night because you've earned that time off versus half-heartedly working during the day, half-heartedly being focused and then still having to do more work late at night or to rest at night, but having uh, deadlines hanging over your head that you haven't met. So polarity is something that I've experienced to a greater magnitude, greater than I've ever experienced before. I've never had so much, like so much of a tsunami of vitality and drive and just momentum to serve my work. So polarity, got to have both. And not just both at the same time, not balance on any given day, but swinging between the two extremes, having access to the extremes, being able to have it all throughout different chapters of time. So that one has been a big one for me to really acknowledge. And now that I'm in this momentum of work, like I'm going to 
also acknowledge that this isn't going to last forever as well. I'm going to go really, really hard whilst I've got this free energy and momentum. And then in two weeks time, I'm going to take another one or two weeks off to go traveling and sightseeing again. And I know that not everybody in every line of work can do such significant swings in how they show up. But yeah, even if you're in a, a nine to five, then you can still do so within the hours that you do work. So if you are working nine to five, then do your work properly between nine to five and then rest properly at night, rest properly on the weekends. Okay, here is a big one. Me learning what the definition of home is. And not just learning what the definition of home is, but actually stepping into creating a new home for myself through this travel experience. Because naturally, when you have lived in one place your whole life, then that is your home, right? But now that I am, I've been living abroad for three and a half months, I've created a new home for myself. <laughs> but also, I've noticed that this isn't necessarily home either, because if I go back to Melbourne, then I'm going to say Melbourne's my home. So then I've started questioning, what is home? Because our external world is constantly changing, you know, in terms of locations, but also in terms of people. I previously would have said that my parents were my home. I previously would have said that my partner was my home, that he was my pillar and my rock for life. But I haven't been or seen my parents or my ex-partner now for three and a half months. So does that mean that I can't be secure and stable and I'm going to be lost because I don't have my people or my main location of Melbourne? And what I've learned is that everything external is transient and unstable. People, places, they come and go. They can make us happy. They can bring us a sense of security, but it's never guaranteed to last. So we can't rely on anything external to be our home, to be our source of security and love and wisdom and guidance. If we do and we rely on things that are external, we're always going to be at the mercy of our external circumstances that we don't have control over. And having said this, I've got to say as well, it is important and I think it's really beautiful to have some interdependence with other people because that is our reality. And we do live in a world where we get so much more from love, giving and receiving love, but it can't be our only source of security, of home, of love. So what I've learned, especially going through so much change this year, like even our career as our source of home is a big one for some people. I've gone through the career change. I've gone through like moving abroad. I've gone through leaving a long-term relationship. What I've learned is that the only thing that we can truly stabilize is within us. It's how we see ourselves, our own view of life, how we feel within our body, within our mind, because we are the only person who we will wake up with and we will wake up within each day for as long as we live. Like, do we like how we feel day to day? Do we like how we feel in our body? Do we like what we look in the, 
how we look in the mirror? Like, do we like ourselves? Because we are our only constant. We are the only thing that we can control. And this has been a very big shift in how I live and I see the world that I am my own home. And yeah, I'm going to still be open and I'm still going to welcome in beautiful relationships and attachments to people and places and different identities. But the only thing that I can truly count on as being my home, the only thing that is my truest home forever is me. And I think this is going to be a a big one for me going forwards because maybe you can resonate with this as well is like having attachments to things that are external, but also not being overly attached. And I think that's really important for us for our mental health, for our happiness, for our sense of security. Now, this actually ties in with the final thing that I'd like to share with you today. Um, Another internal paradigm shift in how I show up and relate to others. And what I'm referring to is my perspective with relationships. So I did think whether or not I should share this, but I have received a few questions on this and I'm more than happy to share my own stories and experiences to hopefully inspire and to provide a fresh perspective in this area. So relationships, Um, as you know, or as you may know, I separated from an almost 10 year relationship earlier this year. And there's been so many learnings from this, but even more so whilst I've been here and I have been dating more and dating, not just, not just dating, but dating people from all over the world, from different cultures, different countries, and having a very diverse experience, which by the way, I'm going to say it like dating is so much fun. It's explorative. It's explorative expansive it's sensual and tantric and exhilarating it's a lot of fun and it's really beautiful as well because dating sometimes there can be this stereotype that when you, if you date a lot of people it's like a bad thing but really what it is is it's nurturing connections with different people and isn't that a beautiful thing like connections so that is actually been a huge shift in how I see relationships because growing up what was imposed onto me was the mainstream idea that the goal of life was is to have a lifelong monogamous attached partner like that is the goal of life that is the mainstream uh, path for a lot of people it is the mainstream narrative and the ideology for relationships like it's romanticized that we have this one partner for life and we would do anything for them and that they're our everything but what I've actually come to realize is that's not the only way to do relationships it doesn't have to be so binary that we're in a relationship or we're not you know, we're either, you know, we're in a romantic relationship or we're just friends. Like it doesn't have to be so <laughs> binary because like I said before, every anytime we interact with someone, we are connecting with them. We are relating with them. In other words, we have a relationship with everyone in our life. <laughs> everyone from 
an intimate partner to a friend, to our colleague, to the cashier at the supermarket. We have a relationship with everyone. It's just a spectrum of differing intensities, different types of connection with them. You know, some may be more intellectual relationships, some may be more romantic, some can also be sexual, some can be romantic, some can be emotional, and there's different uh, levels of intensity and attachment at different levels of connections with different people. It's a spectrum and there are so many different types of relationships that we can have that I'm starting to see relationships in a different way, that it doesn't have to be so all or nothing. And that, you know, having variety and just honoring relationships and the beauty of relationships is is amazing. <laughs> it's not just about having one partner for life. You know, if I'm not with one partner, I still have a relationship with myself. I still have relationships with different people in different ways. And that is beautiful. That is to be celebrated. And that is not something to be sad about and to try to avoid. Because just because you're not in a long-term monogamous attached partnership doesn't mean you're lonely. There are still so many other relationships. And also what I've come to realize is that we only have one life. That's not the part that I've come to realize. <laughs> like we only have one life, yet there are many potential partners for us out there. Like if, if we're not in an, um, a deep attached relationship with one person, like there's going to be potential and opportunity for that type of relationship, maybe even better, maybe even deeper, maybe even more uh, expansive through different pillars of connection with another person. Like there is a potential for many different amazing relationships, but we only have one life. So to me, I know which one is more important to honor and to not compromise on because there is only one shot and that is living my life. So acknowledging that the most important thing is following my truth, living my most expressed version of myself <laughs> and not compromising that for one person. And this isn't actually specific to travel. It's just something that I've really lent into in this chapter of my life while I've been traveling and also going through a big exploration period of relationships. So hopefully that is helpful for you and maybe gives you permission to see things differently and allows you to uh, get more clarity about your path in your relationships. Okay, that is just a few of the different experiences and learnings that I've had over the last three and, a, three and a half months of living and traveling abroad. There are so many more as well that just wouldn't fit into one episode. So I will leave it there. And to wrap up this episode, what I would like to share with you is this. Like I said before, travel has been such an incredibly expansive and joyous and liberating experience. I previously only ever dreamt of this. I thought I would never be able to do it. I, I thought that my ship had sailed because I didn't go on a gap year and I went straight from uh, school to uni to work. But here I am doing the thing 
living what I can truly say is my dream life. So what I want to leave with you is go and do the thing. Whatever it is for you, maybe it's travel, maybe it's leaving your current job, maybe it's exploring a different career path, maybe it's starting a business, leaving a relationship, entering into a new relationship, uh, maybe with someone who you usually wouldn't uh, date, starting a new sport, uh, experiencing all the different parts of life that you previously only thought were reserved for other people or just weren't meant for you because you haven't experienced that yet. Go and do it. Go and expand your horizons. Go and write different chapters of your life. Because even though we have one big continuous lifetime, why not live multiple lifetimes within our one life? Why not have different chapters that add on from each other and also are completely different from each other? There is no correct sequence of the chapters that you're meant to live your life. There is no correct chapters that you're meant to live in your life at all. Like you write your own story. Remember, you are the author of your own story. The next chapter is empty and you can start all over. You can go in a new direction. You can continue deeper down the direction that you are on now. And every single chapter in itself is valuable. Because I know that I used to get so scared of being judged for starting all over again or going backwards or doing things in you know the wrong order. But... <laughs> You know, it's such an illusion of how much other people's judgments or thoughts or opinions are going to affect us because they really carry no weight at all. But what does carry weight is how you feel when you wake up in the morning and when you go to bed at night. Are you fulfilled in your life? Are you experiencing all the different things that you want to in this lifetime? Are you expressing yourself in the way that is true to you? Go and do it. <laughs> like the lines that it feels that you need to stay within are purely subjective. They're arbitrary. They are just a construct. So move those lines. Abolish those lines completely because that is true liberation. And I get it. It can be really scary. You know, like you're standing at the bottom of a huge mountain and you're looking up this mountain and you can't even see the summit and it looks so far away and it's intimidating. But just remember... That every journey of a thousand miles just starts with the first step. Lao Tzu. Every journey of a thousand miles starts with just the first step. And another quote that, that I'll leave with you is we often suffer more in our imagination than in reality. That's by Seneca. We often suffer more in our imagination than in reality. It's always going to feel scary. It's going to seem scary. But I'm sure as you've experienced many times in your life, when you actually do the thing, it's never as bad as you made it out to be in the first place. All right, friends, that's it. This is already way longer than I had originally planned. Always, what's new? <laughs> you have a beautiful rest of your day. If you enjoy this episode, then please uh, let me know. Send me a message. I'd love to hear from you and hear exactly in what way this episode may have touched you. All right, fam. I will catch you in the next episode. Bye.